All right, Kirsten Green. Oh, there she is. Oh, look at you. You've got your microphone, your whole studio thing going. <laughs> I mean, this is this is big time. Oh, totally. Is this like your band equipment that you're trying to repurpose <laughs> for something else? <laughs> no, but that's a pretty good question right there. <laughs> everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Nordy Pod. I'm Pete Nordstrom, president of Nordstrom and your host for this podcast. Join me as I take you on an honest, authentic journey through our company and introduce you to many of the fascinating people in my life, one episode at a time. In this episode, we're doubling down on my conversations with the Nordstrom Board of Directors to uncover more invaluable insights from this prestigious group of business leaders. In part one, we heard from the unique backstories of each board member and followed their incredible journeys to the point in which they were invited to join the Nordstrom Board. The opportunity for Nordstrom came up and I, I like fashion. I have a lot of respect for the Nordstrom brand. I knew you and some of the players from Nordstrom from my experience at Nike. And candidly, I was not looking for board roles, but when I was presented with the opportunity to talk to you all about a board, I just couldn't resist that. We also heard firsthand what exactly it is that a board does for a public company like Nordstrom. You and your brother and the other leaders at Nordstrom run the company. The board does not run the company. The board has a governance responsibility. We're not there to make the decisions. We're there to probe and, and validate. And I think the most important thing we can do as a board is ask really good questions. For part two, we're going to dig a little deeper to learn about how boards have evolved over the years and what makes them different today. First, let's take a minute for a quick refresher on our board members and the incredible experience that they bring to the table. We have Stacy Philpot, who spent several years on the executive team at Google and is the former CEO of TaskRabbit. The women in my house really taught me about never letting anybody tell me that I can't accomplish something and the belief that as long as you work hard, you can pretty much do anything you want to do. We have Amy Teener, who has also spent a long time at Google and currently sits as the chief accounting officer and corporate controller. The shareholders expect the board to protect them. What are you doing to ensure that you're protecting that asset for your investors, their stock? Next, we have Eric Sprunk, who formerly held several executive positions at Nike, including Chief Operating Officer and Executive Vice President of Global Product and Merchandising. If, if your board all of a sudden was like, okay, hey, we know how to run this company. Why don't you, 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 you gotta be doing this, you gotta be doing that. Why you, yeah. like the dynamic in the boardroom is bad for everybody, including the shareholders. We've got Atticus Tyson, the Senior Vice President of Product Development and Chief Information Security and Fraud Prevention Officer for Intuit. I've always been interested in how do we use technology to make lives better? I was never just a complete computer geek. It was always about for, for a purpose. We have Glenda McNeil, the president of Enterprise Strategic Partnerships at American Express. You have a responsibility to come to the meetings prepared to get to know the management team and understand the challenges of the business. We have Mark Tritton, who has held some large leadership roles at Nike, Timberland, 
was the executive vice president and chief merchandising officer for Target, was president and CEO for Bed Bath & Beyond, and even spent some time with us here at Nordstrom as our president of Nordstrom Product Group. Sometimes you get asked questions and pushed in the wrong direction. And so I've always thought about how can these questions add value, provoke, support, stimulate conversation as opposed to judge. We also have return NordyPod guest, Jim Donald, who has been CEO for some really big companies like Starbucks, Pathmark, Extended Stay America, and Albertsons. Listening is probably what the board members are actually there for, to listen to what the management team wants to discuss and then apply their expertise to whatever those issues were. We have Kirsten Green, CEO and founder of the super successful investment firm, Forerunner Ventures. My experience here has been, it's, it's a deeply engaging experience. And I think heartening to know that boards work in that way and that they're not just meetings. And finally, Brad Tilden, former CEO of Alaska Airlines and chairman of the Nordstrom board. The board has a governance responsibility. And it's really, it's, it's to select, coach, mentor the leadership of the company, primarily the CEO, but CEO, president, the top leadership, and then finally manage risks. Risks that are big in your company, your industry. Make sure there's a plan in place. All right, so to get started, I thought we could talk a little bit about the composition of the board and the diversity. You know, I've been around long enough to remember boardrooms that didn't have many women in them, certainly didn't really have many people of color or anything like that, and that's really evolved and changed over time. So what's your take on that and, and what, you know, the composition of boards, what they look like today? I think in the old days, you know, the CEO sort of picked the board and it was they were really management ran the company and the board was a, a rubber stamp operation. It used to be you, you just went out and hired board members who were really smart, had great experience that you kind of knew and were, you know, familiar and kind of a crony friends and family board. But where they evolved is that the expertise, the diversity of board members today is far greater than than what it used to be. I think a lot of these scandals, a lot Enron and a lot of the, I mean, boards have really been exposed for not doing their job. And it's cost their companies a bankruptcy or the loss of all the equity or what have you. And so board members, they take their jobs far more seriously in 2023 than I think they did 30 or 40 years ago. Now people are and management teams are thinking about, wait, we actually need to reflect our customer base on our board. And if our board reflects our customer base, the decisions that we make, how we execute the strategy will actually be better. So I think an effective board has diversity of all types, diversity in gender, diversity in race, but also, and maybe most importantly, diversity in background and experiences, industry that you bring to the table, so that you can, again, kind of look at issues with lots of different lenses and really make sure that you're fleshing everything out and you're bringing the most insight to management as possible. When you've had the chance to be in the boardroom of two or three different companies, and I'm on a handful of private company boards as well, then you start to realize that matters. That is more helpful to 
helping you and Eric run the company, to ask the right questions, to have varying diverse thoughts and perspectives. Because you don't want an echo chamber. You don't want people just saying that the, everything that everybody else believes. You want people to raise questions and think about issues or topics in a different way than you might think about it day to day. That brings value, I think, to the company and to the management. I've also sat on boards where that diversity was not as great. And so you actually heard a lot of similar conversation. There wasn't, you know, not always a lot of debate. And debate's good. It's not a negative thing. It's just bringing a different opinion so you get to the best decision in the end. Someone told me once is that diverse groups get to a lot better decisions, but everyone feels worse afterwards. The non-diverse groups gets to worse decisions, but everybody feels good because they didn't really talk about it. They didn't really bring up opposing points of view, but they said, hey, we got this issue and there's whatever, seven or eight white males around the table. And they all say, good, let's do what we've always been doing and boom, we move on. And diverse groups will say, hey, well, have we thought about this or have we thought about this? And they, it's, it's a lot more safe for all of these varying points of view to come into the room. And then they actually get considered and vetted and candidly, I've seen it at Nordstrom and I've also seen it at Alaska. We go places we didn't intend to go with decisions and they're better places that serve the companies well. And so it's about the complement of our skill set and commentary that really make us stronger. And I think you guys have taken the time to make sure that the board is balanced and you really listen and work with us. And I don't see that all the time in corporate boards. When you think about the Nordstrom customer base, it's odd when you tell me that most of the people who used to be on the board were men because the <laughs> customer is not that. <laughs> but that being said, I think Nordstrom is definitely ahead of the game. You know, one of the things I loved about joining the Nordstrom board was it was very diverse. You guys had done a very good job of bringing people onto the board. Even five years ago when I showed up and that was like, pre the conversation about board diversity. It was pre-California making rules about public companies having to have diversity on their board. This has been a 50-50 a male, female, different ages, different ethnicities, and certainly different backgrounds. And again, like that's been one of the secrets of success of, of having this dynamic group together. You know, sitting around that table, you get conversations from people who just experience life differently, experience business differently. We really think about, and we've had conversations on the board about diversity. We all went through George Floyd's murder together as a board and talked about the issues that we were facing from all the way down from the front lines through how we responded as a company to what was happening in that moment and in that time. And I like to think that having myself and the other and Shelly and Glenda, three black women on the board in that time really helped shape the conversation in a way that landed well for the community, the customers and the shoppers at, at, at Nordstrom. It's like, it's, it's obviously something that was intentional and important. And somebody at some point, I'm imagining, Pete, you didn't have a board that looked like that before and somebody made a conscious decision to change it. And I really applaud you all in the focus that you had in creating that board before I got there. And I think I've been part of keeping that goal in mind as we've added new board members over the last couple of years. 
Okay, Mark, so here's something we've talked about a couple of times, and it's a bit of a shared experience. Talk about activism and how that impacts a board. I mean, it's something we've just been dealing with recently, and you certainly had to deal with it at Bed Bath & Beyond. But to the people that don't really know what that means, what does it mean to have an activist involved in your company or on your board? Yeah, an activist, you know, in my last role, I had three. Not fun. Uh, <laughs> it depends on the, the person is, is the agitator. It's disruptive. But it's part of corporate America now, a little bit too much, but that's the way an activist is a shareholder and they can represent a private equity firm or personal holding. And you read a lot about it in the press, in Disney or a whole range of companies where people acquire a body of shares that gives them enough leverage to be able to have a voice of influence, often about the strategy, often about the board composition and number. And they can make a lot of noise around that and they can put forward resolutions to our macro shareholders for change. Some agitator investors create a media maelstrom that creates a short-term spike. You know, back in my Bed Bath & Beyond days, we would see that the price would go up, but 80% of those people would sell in the same day. They were just riding the noise. And so that's when it can be disruptive, not supportive. Yeah, like we've talked about, look at it. If it's a good idea, no matter where it comes from, it's a good idea. Yeah. But I mean, to point about an activist being disruptive, I mean, they can literally come in and say, this management team is terrible, they got to go. Or this board is terrible, they got to go. Or, you know, any kind of subject like that, that if you're an investor at Nordstrom, you're like, well, maybe that maybe this guy's right, or, you know, maybe this person's right, maybe they should get rid of that person. We're a public then, company. You know, yeah. That's what being in the public eye and, and the shareholder being able to buy and sell at their whim, we have to perform and we have to be under scrutiny. And so the role of the board is to scrutinize ahead so we don't get that level of issue or concern and so it's a time of reflection it's a time of challenge but as we said like an activist has the right to have a voice and a, and a communication often that can end up as a direct link with management and the board to start to have you know an effective dialogue so i mean you had that, that really interesting experience at bed bath and beyond that was highly impactful on both you personally and the business and everything. You want to yeah. talk a little bit about like how that yeah, kind of shook sure. out? Yeah. So, so I, you know, I came in as a, a change agent. Um, I had cut launch to kind of change the business. It was further behind than everyone knew and recruited a brand new team during COVID, built the business, great strategy, but between COVID and the supply chain issues that ensued, we just had cash flow issues. We, we weren't, we didn't have enough contingency and the board and I worked on it cooperatively, but it didn't work out. And, and when you take on the role of the CEO, you're the figurehead and you have that responsibility. And so I left the business in June 22. That board asked me to leave and said they wanted to go in a different direction. Things were pretty tough. And it was very, very sad to see that business disintegrate and constantly be in the media, which didn't actually tell the truth. What that did for me, though, was a number of different things. I actually think it made me a stronger board member because I understand the downside of the business and how to protect and defend. You also gain new muscles and, and new resilience about who you are and you're not defined by a title, but how to survive during really difficult times. 
and how to keep a team together. So you walk away and you say, here's the things I'm really proud of, here's the things I should have done better at and we should have done better as a company. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the point I was making earlier. You know, the, our company really benefits from having a diversity of experiences and thoughts amongst our board. And, you know, knowing what good looks like, being attached to good company success is a big part of that. But it's also, to your point, you knowing how to deal with adversity. I mean, you were dealt a tough hand in your business there. Yeah. And, and those experiences... I mean, we've benefited from that because you've been open to talking about it, what that looks like and, you know, the pitfalls to try to avoid and what have you. So I'll just tell you from my perspective, I'm sure it wasn't fun for you to go through that. I feel like we have Eric and I have benefited from knowing you and having you be attached to our company to to be transparent about what that all looks like and how to navigate, you know, rough seas. Yeah, I could share contingencies, ideas, what worked, what didn't, how to kind of move from my lens of, of experience that was really unique. I didn't really want that muscle, but I've got it and I've got to use it. So even though I already get this all the time anyway, and I, I appreciate it, but like, what advice do you have for Nordstrom? I mean, it's, it's a challenging industry in retail. I mean, I, I'm sure it always has been at some level, but you know, there's a lot of evolution in just how the business is done and customers and all that stuff. So as you sit here and think about this and where we are, and you've been here for a little while and the, the challenges that we face, what, what's your advice for us? Oh my gosh, that is a big question. There is a great opportunity that I think is being under leveraged by Nordstrom to separate from this kind of storyline that people have like, hey, multi-brand is kind of, you know, it's dying out. Some of it will, but what's going to be left are really, really good players in this space. And Nordstrom's is the best player in this place. The question is timely, Pete, as you know, in 20 minutes, I go down to talk to the entire merchandising team at the rack and the subject is creating growth in today's marketplace. And I told you this before that I actually pulled up excerpts from a speech I did in 1998 and 2018. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. And the advice that I would give this company in, in all of the 60,000 thousand associates is the more things change, the more things stay the same. So we have to stay the course. We have to continue doing what we're doing on online and continue what we're doing on brick and mortar, on retail stores. What it is that we're doing is making sure that we're taking care of the customer and we're taking care of each other. And when you do that, when you care more than others expect or as possible or necessary, you'll weather this crazy environment that we're in and we'll come out of this standing tall. One of the advantages that this company has is that it's been doing business for a long time and it's been true to itself and it has that strong North Star. At the same time, the world is constantly changing. The consumer that is walking through your door today and starting their Nordstrom journey is fundamentally different than the one that walked through 10 years ago. Yeah. The big piece of advice I would have is no matter what, whether it's technology or whatever comes along, never losing the the core value of what Nordstrom stands for, which is really doing right by the customer. That's, those are my words, not the exact words, but um, oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but then looking for ways to live that value in new and better ways. We need to think about the fact that what got us here might not get us where we need to be. Challenging ourselves to think outside the box and think beyond what worked historically. People want Nordstrom to win. Customers, wholesalers, 
other retailers so respect and believe that Nordstrom has that right to win. And, and I am a firm believer in that. So the advice would really be around how do we stay bold? Don't be vanilla. Don't be, you know, in tough times, it's really easy to just be like everybody else to be safe. And that sometimes is the kiss of death. I think we have such a connection with our customer. I've always believed this retailer, you get this feeling, Nordstrom get me. So what are we going to do with our presentation, our assortment, our communication that is bold and fresh? And we always have that kind of angle that we're reaching out and we're exciting our customers. Let's, as we sort of think about the changes happening in our space, let's listen really carefully to our customers and let's hang on to the things that we can't, you know, they say, hey, don't ever change that. That's what makes you who you are. Hang on to, you know, that's sacred. Hang on to that. But if they say, hey, I really do want my packages in uh, one day less, or I want this service or this, you know, be, be listening enough to sort of be leading with those things that will serve our customers best. When I read analyst reports and I listen to the financial results and you, you hear people say, yeah, well, you know, Nordstrom's, Kohl's and Macy's, these multi-branded uh, department stores, you know, they're really on the decline. I'm like, how is it? You know, it's insulting, frankly. <laughs> well, I find uh, it insulting. You, you should. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I find it insulting. And so I want what I want you all to do better is find those points of real differentiation and talk about them differently than just financial results. There's a narrative here for this company and this brand and this experience that is different that I think will continue to lead and will lead to further success. And, and you, more than almost anybody else in the company, maybe I should just say you more than anybody else in the company, because I watch you walk through the stores, I watch you say hi to everybody, I listen to you talk about the history of the company and what makes this place special and, and when you're going through the strap plan and you're and you're talking about what words do you use that that stuff can't just be internal that stuff's got to be right now it's got to be external because you're being undervalued for i think all, all of that that you bring How do you define success? I mean, not only for the company, but for yourself and in terms of, you know, you're investing a lot of time and energy into this. How do you define success? Most companies these days, and I know Nordstrom is in this bucket and Alaska was as well. Part of it's you want to make money, you want to do your job there, but you also want to be a great employer. And like in Nordstrom case, we want to provide us an important service to the community. One of the things I've really appreciated in particular about the Nordstrom board is the people on the board and the different experiences that people bring to bear. And so let's assume that everybody's there because they chose to be there. They care about the business. They care about the customer. They care about the people around the table. So they're engaged. And when you can do that alongside people who have varied experiences and you can get together and have a real conversation where people feel like they have a a right to, to speak up in the conversation and be open about how to make the most of the varied input, I think can be an incredibly powerful setup. I think for me, uh, success is, you know, if I'm able to help through the questions I ask and, and through uh, being present and, and what I can contribute, if I can really help management sharpen plans and create better plans and ultimately better outcomes for for shareholders that's one is, is i can make the plans better but the other is hopefully just for me personally 
to have technology better integrated into the experience end to end, uh, that would be a personal success for me if I could see that happening at the Nordstrom stores. We always ask you all for feedback at the end of every board meeting. And how did we do as a board? And I evaluate my success on the quality of that feedback and the nature of that feedback because a lot of people think, oh, there's the board and then there's the management team. And that's really, is supposed to be a two-way street. Right. Meaning we're only as effective as we are influential with the management team on the right issues. And so the feedback that I want to hear is we have been effective and influential on the right issues. You want to look back over your time and say, hey, we did some good there. And doing good is I did good for the employees. I did good for the customers. I did good for the community. I did good for the owners. So are they doing them well to help the company succeed and benefit all those audiences? I think, you know, retail is in this really interesting time where we're seeing a lot of evolution in the space. We're seeing new players in terms of digital. We're seeing people behave differently. Success for me for Nordstrom would be to figure out and succeed in that space, in the new kind of retail landscape, and be able to bring everything that's so true and great about Nordstrom in terms of customer service and what Nordstrom values, and bring that with you into this evolving space and be loved and shopped brand. I'm curious, you know, again, you've, you've had different experiences, different companies, different boards. What have you learned by being on the Nordstrom board? I learned a lot. You have a lot of smart, experienced people that have amazing career experience that I respect that I have learned a lot from as individuals. So first of all, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of learning because I, this is my first board. I've really enjoyed getting to know you guys and getting to know the other board members. Sitting in a room with such a dynamic group of very accomplished people, I think you learn a lot just from that, just from working with those people and seeing their styles and understanding kind of their successes and challenges and learning from them. So I, I think it actually has brought a lot of personal growth. You know, with each board, I've learned a lot more about myself as a leader. Uh, how to balance things, how to balance priorities, how to have the conversation. But also I think it's made me very focused on how I communicate. I think I've learned a lot about how to have big groups and diverse groups and have constructive conversations. I think we do that very well. And I think you have to be intentional about doing that. It doesn't just happen automatically. I think that there's a grace and even tone to the way that Eric and yourself both manage the business, manage the board and manage your teams. I watch that and I always comment on it like, wow, this is so well handled and the style in which you do that I think resonates with the troops, right? It resonates with the board but also resonates with those in the company. And we, you know, people have had trying times and I think being steady and smart and listening and just you know, using that style of maximum effectiveness has been really important. I think the world of retail is a difficult world to navigate given the online, offline, and all the changes that have happened over the last decade and how you navigate those to be a company that's been around for as long as Nordstrom has been around. Like, this is an enduring business. And so I worked at Google, right? It was founded in 2000. It's been around for now 23 years. And 
we're celebrating success at like the 20 year mark. And then you go join a board like North, and you're like, oh, we're at 100. You're like, oh, okay. So what does that take? And of anything else I've learned on this board, it's, it's really what that takes. And it, it is that focus on the customer. It's that long-term perspective, despite the short-term challenges. And it's the commitment to staying in there, regardless of what is going on. And I hope it's okay if I say like, this is a hard business. It was a hard business. <laughs> you gotta sure show is. up <laughs> every day with a real drive and passion to make it work. So I've definitely have an appreciation for the complexity and the team that needs to make it happen. It's fascinating to sit on the board and be able to have those, you know, high level strategic conversations about what's going on broadly and then how is Nordstrom best positioned to succeed in this environment. It's been interesting to see how similar some of the challenges are, you know, dealing with a large complex technology stack at Nordstrom, because many people may not know, they may walk into a store and just think of it, it's a retail operation, but there's a lot of technology behind the scenes running that entire operation. And so uh, learning some, a little bit of how you all uh, prioritize the changes and how you think about the customer journey you want them to go on in the store and on the app, uh, we face those same questions at Intuit. I mean, I think it's helpful to hear how other companies are navigating what's out there right now. Like think about AI, for example, right? How are you guys thinking about AI? How are you thinking about where it's gonna bring lots of opportunity to the business, but also what are the risks? Cybersecurity, same thing, right? What are the risks? How are you tackling it? And then I can take that back to Google and A, bring some insight back in terms of like how others are thinking about it, but also bring it back to you of how's Google thinking about it and what are we doing to some extent? Pete, what I learned is that Nordstrom and all the associates tie in with this company have street cred. Having the experience of working through many companies that say they offer just a great service, this, that, and the other, I think this, the differentiation in customer service define Nordstrom street cred and all the employees as well. But I find myself comparing that to other companies, boards I sit on, or other companies that I say shop or, or partake in, and, and find that what I've learned here is that this company still has the unbelievable passion to make it right for the customer. So, you know, Amy, if I think about your role that you play and, you, you know, you haven't been there super long, but what really stands out to me is that you're a really good listener, which makes you thoughtful. I think when, when you when you do lean in and speak and I just want to take the opportunity to thank you. I think you're an effective board member and I'm glad you're part of the team. Thank you. I've absolutely loved being on the board. And so it's, it's a pleasure working with you guys. And um, I really appreciate the opportunity. Look at Atticus, I'm, I'm super appreciative of, of you being on the podcast. And I just also want to let you know that we're fortunate to have you on our board. 
feels like you show up every time with curiosity and, and you're prepared to, you know, there's a lot of information we share with you guys to get caught up in what our issues are. And when you do weigh in, it's, it's super credible and intentional. So thanks for being a, a value adding member of our board. Yeah, you're very welcome. Hey, look, Mark, thanks so much for doing this. I mean, you know, not a problem. it's great, you know, that I've had a chance to know you for so long and kind of see your, your personal journey as well. And, uh, I just appreciate you you being a part of it and really value adding on our team. Thanks. Hey, look at Eric. I really appreciate you being on our board. And when I think about the value that you add, I would say to me, the thing that really jumps out is you found a nice balance of support and constructive challenge. And I've just felt from day one that there was a real aligned sense of purpose about what we're trying to achieve and how we define success. Yep, Pete. I feel that I feel that same way. Brad, you have kind of a unique perspective here as the chair of our board. And the thing I I really like about you is you've got a very easy manner about you, a very transparent way. And I think you invite and engage people to participate and talk. And and you do a nice job of keeping us focused on, you know, what should be happening at the board, the stuff we should be talking about. Some of those things are not easy to talk about. And some of them are fun to talk about, but I I just want to tell you thank you for the role you play because you you definitely make a positive difference for us. Thanks, Pete. It's an honor serving with you guys. Glenda, I think we're super fortunate to have you on the board. And when I think about the value that you add, a couple things jump to mind. First of all, I mean, your experiences and your perspective, you've talked about, I mean, you've done a lot of things, you've seen a lot of things, and that that's super helpful, objective input for us. And then, you know, you live there in New York, and the biggest thing that's happened, you know, probably you've been on the board is we opened this big store in New York, and it's been great getting perspective from you as a person that lives and shops there and kind of understand what goes on. So I, I just want to thank you for uh, all the value you add on our board. Well, thank you, Pete. And I will tell you, I, I, I tease a few people in the store often that I live a little too close to Nordstrom, New York. <laughs> I am walking distance and I am a I'm a fixture in there way too many weekends. Yeah, you're a good customer. We appreciate that too. Maybe I should have said that. No, 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 no. no. It's <laughs> a great experience for me. I'm lucky to be so close. Kirsten, first of all, you add a lot of value to our board and for all the reasons you talked about, you come at it from an interesting point of view. I mean, you're attached to our industry and our business. And I always like hearing from you just about your experiences of you as a shopper or your friends or the things you're seeing out there. So anyway, I just want to let you know, uh, I appreciate the value you add to our board. That means everything to me. Thank you. Stacy. I got to tell you, I think you're a really effective board member. I I mean that sincerely. I'm happy that I've got to know you through this process and everything. And we value having you on the board and and, and really appreciate it. So thanks for that. And and thanks for uh, doing this podcast today. Thanks, Pete. It's my honor to serve on this board. I have a lot of fun with you and the entire team. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to hear it. Look at Jim. I really enjoy working with you on the board. You bring a a unique perspective and I'm always motivated by your sincere desire to get connected broadly across the scope of what this company does and engage with people on the floor. They love it. I mean, I get a lot of nice feedback saying, gosh, I met your board member, Jim. It was great. And he was here. And it's not because you're giving a lecture about what to do. It's because you're there to encourage and support them and, and learn stuff. And I think that comes across very authentically. So I'll say this in closing. Thank you, Pete. And thank you for allowing me to do that. 
I told somebody at Nordstrom that I was speaking to the group today and they said the rack and I said oh yeah the rack a merchandising team and he coined this phrase they are hustlers extraordinaires well let me tell you something I don't care if you're buying designer purses or if you're buying a <laughs> Lorenzo Uma shirt that I have on right now for the rack, for the rack uh, <laughs> we have to all be hustlers in this world that we're in today whether it's hustling customer service hustling cost expansion hustling and making sure that we're doing the right thing with, with the right product we just got to keep doing all that and it's a pleasure to be on this board i thank you very much the show we're really glad you're with us on this journey and we hope you keep listening the easiest way to do that is to subscribe to the nordy pod wherever you get your podcasts and while you're there please take a minute to give us a like a share and a review so other people can find this thing too for more information about the show head to nordstrom.com slash nordy podcast or follow us on our instagram page at the nordy pod to stay up to date on new episodes announcements and more We'd also really like to hear about your experience with Nordstrom. So if you have a story about how you've received great service or even bad service, send us an email to nordypodcast at nordstrom.com. You can even give us a call and leave a voicemail. And you may just get a chance to talk to me personally on a future episode of the show. That number is 206-594-0526. So don't be shy. Drop us a line and be part of the Nordy Pod. And make sure to tune in next time when I sit down with Ben Gorham, founder of the luxury brand Barreto. I met a perfumer by chance at a social event, and we had a very interesting discussion about smell and, and how, for me, how I connected smell to memory. And that interest grew into, you know, an obsession. And I think at that point I decided that I could either be an artist and be poor <laughs> or create this commercial vehicle and this brand. Ben's had a really unique and interesting entrepreneurial journey, which actually came as a secondary career after his professional basketball ambitions were cut short. And I promise I didn't bring him in just because he's a basketball player, but it certainly gave us something to talk about. So join us next time on the Nordy Pod. Nordy Pod.